Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. You doing all right? I am so glad you're at church today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I just want to uh, invite you in to... uh, to bring an open heart today to the Word of God. We believe that God's Word is living and active. It's not just an old textbook. It's not just dry and and stale uh, ink on a page. This is God's Word spoken to us. And you're not here by accident this morning. God arranged for you to be here for a certain thing, for a certain moment to happen in your heart. And so let me ask you a question. Are you open to what God wants to do in your heart today? Let's try that again. Are you open to what God wants to do in your heart today? Are you awake today? No. Mostly. Okay. I love the honesty. God loves the honesty. Way to go. That was awesome. Hey, we are diving back in this morning into our series called Details, How Jesus Wants Us to Live. And it's a series we're walking verse by verse through something called the Sermon on the Mount. This is chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew. It's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, and here's why. Jesus was there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and there are some mountains around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, I hope people of hope will take a trip over there soon in the next couple of years. Maybe we can go together and we can go to that spot. It'll be a cool moment. There's a good chance we might still be in the Sermon on the Mount series by that time because we're taking our time. But there around the Sea of Galilee are these hills and these mountains. It's a beautiful place looking over the water. And Jesus took this moment to sit down on the rocks and his his disciples gathered around him. Those who were already convinced that he is who he says he is. Those who had already decided to leave everything and follow him. Those who were already bought in. Those who were already disciples. They sat down. And he sat down kind of on a rock there looking over this area. And he began to teach them. He began to give them instructions on how to live with the circumstances they find themselves in. He began to give them encouragement and challenge about how to deal with the attitudes they find creeping up in their heart, how to deal with the appetites that are in their bodies that have been corrupted by sin. He is giving us the details. And sometimes one of our our struggles is, God, I want to please you. God, I want to honor you. God, I want to be a faithful disciple. But somehow I don't necessarily know where to start. or I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do in these situations. And in the kindness of God, Jesus is giving us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 the details. How he wants us to live. And here I am this morning standing in front of a room full of people who are already convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. Amen? I'm looking at a room of people who are already bought in, who are already eager to be disciples, eager to live a life pleasing to God, and they are wondering, Lord, how do I handle the circumstances? How do I deal with the ups and downs? How do I deal with the appetites that are inside of me? How do I deal with the attitudes that, that creep up and sometimes are not so good? And this is a beautiful moment where we can come with an open heart and an open mind and say to the Lord, We're seeking you today. Teach us, Lord Jesus. Whatever you want to say in my life, I'm listening. Whatever you want to say to my life, about my life, I'm listening. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I mentioned that we are continuing a series. We'll bounce in and out of this from time to time. 
This is actually part 13 of the series that we began back in August. And you can go back to the People of Hope uh, Church podcast. You can find it on um, iTunes or Spotify or Podbean and one of those places and catch up with those things uh, if you'd like to. But this morning we're picking up as Jesus gets super practical about some of the struggles and issues that we face in life. Now as we get ready to read this passage, you need to be aware of something. The Sermon on the Mount is a stretching word. It is a hard teaching. It is one where Jesus takes the bar and you thought it was here and he goes, wait a minute, it's here. It's one of those things where you listen to the Sermon on the Mount and you just think, it sounds pretty much impossible to live up to that. And that's kind of where God wants you and me to be, where we respond and go, Lord, I can't, in my own strength, in my own ways, I cannot live the life you're calling me to. And when we're in that posture, God's got us right where he wants us because he says, I can change your heart. I can give you strength. I can give you power. I want you to get to the point where you say, I can't, but he can So are we there today, people? Let's dive into Matthew chapter 5 with a heart that says we can't, but he can. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not commit murder. In doing this, uh, Jesus is quoting the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not kill. You've heard it said long ago, he's talking about the prophets and the, and the law that has come before and all those times past. You've, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And that's Jesus saying, anyone who takes a life will be subject to the judgment of losing their life. If you kill, you're going to be killed. That's what Jesus was talking about. But I tell you, he says in verse 22, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. When Jesus says, but I tell you, he's not wiping out what was said long ago. He's not wiping out the sixth commandment. He's not saying, well, that's what they said long ago, but I'm saying this. Jesus isn't wiping that out. He's actually taking it a step farther. You thought the bar was here, and it's here. You thought it was just don't kill anybody. And Jesus is going to come at us this morning with a truth that says, just don't even have hateful anger in your heart toward anybody. I'm not just looking if you can squeak through life without committing murder. Most of you are on a pretty good streak for that. He's saying, I'm more concerned about what's in your heart. Not your religion of the outside. Not you trying to live by a list of principles. If I can just avoid those bad actions, then I'm okay. No, God looks at the heart. God cares what's going on in the depths of us because that's the real us. He cares about that deeply. And anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. He says, in the days of old, there was this thought, you shall not kill, and if you do, you're going to suffer a similar judgment, and you're not supposed to to have anger toward anyone in your heart, and we're not supposed to insult each other. Raka means sort of boneheaded. It's like knucklehead. It's empty-headed. It's one of those ways of saying to someone, 
you're not smart, are you? It's one of those ways that you can assign to someone, you're not much. It's one of those ways that you can say to someone, you're lesser than other people. And God cares about that. He says, Raka, don't, don't say that to a brother or to a sister. And then he also goes farther and he says, don't say to anyone, you fool. And the idea of a fool there isn't just someone who is being silly. That's not just someone who got the wool pulled over them. This is, this is somebody who's being accused of being up to no good. This is someone who's been said, your character is bad. You're a weasel. You're a scoundrel. You're a, you're a bad person. So what Jesus is saying is, don't say things to each other that could cause them to feel like they are less than other people. And don't say things to each other that accuse them of being rotten on the inside. Those things matter, and they matter so much to God. Look what he says, that person will be subject to the fires of hell. That does not mean that you're going to go to hell and burn if you call somebody a fool. What that means is, is that God takes this very seriously. And when it says judgment there, it means that God is going to respond to your action with his own action. And we don't know what that action is. But if God has to get up and respond to us for misbehaving, that's not going to be a good afternoon. What do you think? So Jesus is teaching through these verses how we're supposed to handle all this. Verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, while you're at the altar, you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. And that's not, that's, that's about a grievance. There's some offense that's happened there. If you remember that, that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar and then first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Jesus is saying, be reconciled to those with whom there's an offense, where there's a conflict, where there's a breach, where there's a separation, where there's an estrangement, where we're not talking to each other anymore. Or we don't see each other anymore. This isn't one of those things where you just drift apart as friends. That just happens over time. You just drift in and out of people's lives. This is referring to when there was something that was said or something that was done that caused the change in the relationship. And you're at odds. Conflict exists between you. When you are aware of that, no matter where you are, go deal with it. Go be reconciled, even if you're at the altar. The point of this moment here is Jesus is illustrating how we're supposed to live. He's illustrating this. He's not telling you, now, when you are giving your gift, think about any offenses. What he's saying here, there's no bad time to be reconciled to somebody, even if you're at the altar ready to give your gift. Drop your gift and go get reconciled. If you're driving in your car, pull over and make a phone call. If you're sitting at your house watching TV and it just comes to mind that this person has an offense against me or I have an offense against them, I'm going to text them right now and see if we can grab coffee, see if we can have a conversation, see if we can trade emails. I want to be reconciled. 
Be reconciled is what Jesus said. I love how clear that is. There's no mincing of words. There's nothing unclear, nothing foggy. The next verse, verse 25. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. When there's a debt between two people, when there's a business arrangement that goes south and there's somebody who's going to sue you and take you to court, what Jesus is saying, look, you need to be one who's quick to reconcile because it's going to cost you later. He's illustrating again the importance of reconciliation. He's illustrating again of not holding on to something to see if you can win, but making peace, building a bridge, clearing things up, doing whatever you have to do. And the illustration Jesus gives here, he says, if you're being sued and you're going to go to court, do everything you can do to settle before it gets to the courtroom. Because it's going to cost you a whole lot more later. He is telling his disciples, telling his bought-in people, telling his followers, telling you and me as he did those on the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. He is saying, let's be about making peace. He's saying, if you harbor such grievance, offense, anger in your heart that you want to go and see if the courts will punish them and not you, Deal with that before it gets to the court. Or you may find out you're the one getting punished. I don't believe that Jesus is teaching that there's not a time for legal settlement. I don't believe that Jesus is teaching that there isn't a time when the courts need to intervene or a mediator needs to intervene, any of those points. But what Jesus is teaching is before it gets there, see if you can avoid litigation. Before it gets to that point, see if you can reconcile. Do everything you can before it gets there. And let me add something else into this. And I believe throughout Paul's writings, there's some more teaching on this. I believe that when Christians go to court, it is a shadow over the name of God. Especially when they go to court with each other is what I'm talking about. So do your best to avoid Believer against believer litigation. And do your best, even when it's an adversary, to settle it before it ever gets there. So Jesus starts out talking about murder, and then anger, and then insults, and then all sorts of offenses and litigation and all those things, and how we're to handle all this. He gets down into the nitty-gritty. He's really dealing with some things about how we live our lives. Let's unpack these kind of piece by piece together as we try to understand how Jesus wants us to live. Number one, I want you to see some things today. Number one, people matter to God. People matter to God. This is why um, the, the law against murdering exists. Yes, it contributes to a civil society. Yes, it contributes to, to, to harmony and peace in a community. Yes, it's good that you don't live in a place where there's lots of murders. That's really good. But the biggest reason is, is that life has value. 
life has value. Every single person is made in the image of God. Hello? Every single person. Every single person has value and worth. And taking a life is a massive subject to God. Taking a life is a massive subject to God. And scholars have looked at this and thought about this and best understanding of all this is is that apart from justifiable killing in war, justifiable law enforcement, justifiable capital punishment when a society embraces that, justifiable. Or self-defense, justifiable. Apart from those situations, we should not kill. And not because you would go to prison, or not because you would face lots of hassle, or not because you would make another family sad. You shouldn't kill with your hands, with your hearts, or with your words, because people matter to God. And that's why you and I, as we live as Christians, we hold the truth that abortion is killing, and every life matters to God. That's why we hold the value that, that, that if we're going to take a life, we need to be very, very careful about why, and is it just, and is it called for, and is it necessary, and when it is, it is a terrible and tragic day, because even the most hardened criminal is made in the image of God. And God loves them. You might be mad at them. The state might be mad at them. But that doesn't change the fact that they are a child of God. And every one of them, hopefully, could hear the good news of the gospel of salvation that though their sins be as red, dark, scarlet, blood-stained, filthy, because of what Jesus has done on the cross for their sins, they can be white as snow. Every person matters to God. So killing with your hands is wrong. Wanting to harm from your heart, this attitude of anger is wrong. And wanting to have a crushing word, a killing word, with your language is wrong because people matter to God. So Jesus is going to teach us a little bit about hateful anger, which is number two. Jesus teaches about hateful anger. There is an anger that is just and clean, there, there is an anger that is just. All anger is not bad. All anger isn't sin. We can be angry at evil. We can be angry at insensitive people. We can be angry at things that happen against us and in the world. And we can call it what it is. And we can have righteous, clean, just anger for things. But Jesus teaches that we should not have anger that isn't clean, which is what he's talking about here is anger that is based in pride or where your heart has turned from frustration to hatred or revenge. If you have anger in your heart that is couched and framed and nestled in revenge, it is unclean anger. 
Let's talk about hateful anger here for a moment because that's what Jesus is talking about here. Hateful anger wishes someone harm. It wishes for their failure. And it wishes for their suffering or it wishes for their humiliation. Because you may be thinking, I'm clean. I haven't murdered anybody this week. And I'm probably not going to murder anyone this week. But do you have anger in your heart toward people who matter to God? Jesus is looking them in the eye and he's saying, you've heard it said you shouldn't kill. Go farther than that. Anyone who is angry, this hateful angry toward a brother or sister, you're committing murder in your heart. And it is so easy for all of us to get there. People who never thought they would get there, they can get to a point where you mention a person's name and their blood pressure rises. You mention a person's name and they just begin to think, well, I hope they get, get them, God. I hope their thing that they, they shafted me on, I hope it fails. I hope it crashes, it burns. I hope they suffer. I hope they're miserable. I hope nothing ever works out for them. Oh, they left me? They broke up with me? Fine. I hope they're lonely for the rest of their days. Oh my goodness, that is dark. Jesus is waving his arms by the side of the Sea of Galilee, and he's waving his arms to you and to me today. If you sense any of that in your heart, get it out. It is a poison. If you sense those things in your heart, they are not appropriate. And you may not kill them, but on the inside, there's something rotten. And it is just as rotten as if you had harmed them with your hands. You can think, I'm good. I haven't killed anybody. But do you have hateful anger toward anybody? It needs to be dealt with. Hateful anger is a poison that will overpower you and it can lead to murder. People who end up committing murder, unjust killing, not war, not law enforcement, not self-defense, not capital punishment, but people who commit murder. At some point before that act of murder happened, there was a little seed of hateful anger. And Jesus is saying, to you and to me, be on your guard. And don't think that you're above your little seed of hateful anger growing into a tree of murder. Don't think you're above it. Don't think that the little seed will stay nice and quiet and you can just keep it secret and you can just roll it around in your, in your mouth like a little angry Jolly Rancher. You can just suck on it and chew on it and nobody knows what's going on and you're just kind of like, I, I so hate that person. I hope they fail. I hope everything goes wrong for them. I'm so mad at that person. That person's the worst. That person is awful. I just hope, ba I hope bad things happen to that person. Don't think that you're clean if you've got that rolling around on the inside. Jesus addresses the attitude that comes in long before the action. And in some ways, Jesus is showing us another kindness. If you don't ever want to be in a moment where you are finding yourself standing in a pool of regret because you've done something, you've taken action in some way, in a way you never thought you would do toward another person, then when you first get a whiff 
of that hate-filled anger. Get it out. Deal with it. Clean it up. Because it will poison you. Go farther than just staying off the list of people who've killed with their hands. Number three, Jesus teaches us about insults. Jesus teaches us about insults. And insults are kind of funny because a lot of times, especially guys, when we get together with each other, we'll, we'll give each other grief or just mess with each other or say things and we mean zero harm in it. And I'm not saying you should stop doing that. I mean, every once in a while, you need one of those, you know, just good zingers to, to just keep it light and make it fun and all those kind of things. That's not what we're talking about. And we're not talking about the jokes that have been around. When I was in high school, y- your mama jokes were really big. You guys, you guys heard those? Like, and then, like... All of us, even through today, are, are you're so ugly jokes. Those are, those are just the rage. I, I saw one this morning that was, you're so ugly that your doctor is a vet. Yeah, that was a lame chuckle because it was a lame joke. But jokes are, are fine. Nobody means that. No one is taking an assessment of your value as a human with that statement. It's just a little funny quip, not that kind of deal. And you need to make sure people know you're joking. People need to make sure you're, they understand you're just kidding around and all those things. But what he's talking about here is that insults are a big deal. Insults attempt to devalue people, and people matter to God. So much so that Jesus says it's not just what you do with your hands. It matters what's going on in your heart, and it matters what you do with your words. Because I don't want you to have a moment when you're looking at one of my creations and you're trying to get them to think they're less than a child of God. I don't ever want you to get to a point where you're using your words in a clever way as these sharp objects, as these piercing daggers, where you're going to look at one of my kids and you're going to say to them, you're not anything special. You're nothing. No, says Jesus. Insults attempt to devalue people, and people matter to God. All people have worth. They are made in his image. The Bible is full of affirmations of this concept. Come to mind, I think, of 1 Peter 3, 9. He says this, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult on the contrary repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing god's calling on your life when someone insults you is to not outdo them in the insult but is to return the insult with a what does it say a blessing verse I learned when I was in high school and put to memory in a couple of translations ago. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. And verse 31 in the same chapter says, Get rid of all bitterness Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Malice is that internal hatred toward another person. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. A lot of us, when we were young, our mom said to us, if you don't have anything good to say, what? Don't say anything. 
And that springs out of that Ephesians 4, 29. Let no unwholesome, unwholesome talk come out of your mouth except that which is good for building other people up. So what's the opposite? That's what Jesus is talking about here by the side of the Sea of Galilee. Don't hurl insults. You raka. You're not smart. You're not worth much. That doesn't build somebody up. It's meant to tear them down. You fool. And in the culture of Israel in the ancient Near East, all of those people who know the book of Proverbs so intimately, they would have begun to think of all the contrast between the wise and the fool, the wise and the fool. You don't want to be the fool. The fool is despised by God. The fool is, is, the fool is terrible. And you fool. It's not about the specific name you call them. It's about the intent in the name you use. Am I trying to build you up or am I trying to tear you down? Jesus says, don't tear people down because they're my kids and I love them. And you don't ever need to think you're better than anyone. Can I get a hello? hello can I get an amen on that? We do not need to ever think we're better than anybody else. And everybody here in church this morning, nobody has all their junk together. All of us here today, we are walking free in the grace and mercy of God today. And we are saved, saved from our sins, not because we have done anything, but because Jesus has paid it all for us. We're not better. We're just a little bit closer to home than they are. We're not better. We've just learned the good news. We're not better. We're just in the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And hello, we got a long way to go. When you tear other people down with your words, you're trying to raise yourself up and step on their backs. And he doesn't want us to devalue his child his people, his people matter to him. Insults from a heart of hateful anger are offensive to God, and I talked about this. He, they're, they're deserving of the fires of hell. God's gonna respond to that. So if there's hateful anger, it can lead you to crime. If there's hateful anger, it can lead you to getting crossways with the Almighty God because you are trying to tear down one of His creations. That's bad. Hateful anger. Deal with it. Get rid of it. Squash it. Change it. And come to Jesus. Get on your knees and say, I think of this specific person and my blood boils. So change my heart. Give me compassion for them. Help me to show mercy and grace to them like you've shown to me. I can't do this, Lord. Because I'm so mad. I do wish for their harm. I do wish for their failure. I do wish for their suffering. And I'm sorry, that's awful, that's terrible. I don't want that heart. So here's my angry heart, Lord. Make the hard part soft. Change me by your spirit. We are a people of faith who believe that God can change our lives. Amen? And by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, 
those who are selfish can become selfless. And by the work of the Holy Spirit, those who are angry can be compassionate. Jesus, number four, teaches about reconciliation. Teaches about reconciliation. I love how he just goes right at it. Be reconciled even if you didn't start it. That's what Jesus is teaching this morning. Be reconciled even if you didn't start it. You're going to church. Just as an illustration. This isn't the only time you should think about offenses and grievances and and conflict with people. Think about it whenever God brings it to your mind, wherever you are. But if you happen to be at church, even being at church isn't more important. Even being at church doesn't mean you should not respond. Because sometimes, anybody else relate to this? Something comes on your heart and you think, I need to deal with that later, and then you forget What Jesus is telling us right there is if if the Spirit raises something to your mind about a relationship, about a conflict, about an estrangement, about, you know what, we're not on speaking terms anymore. If Jesus brings that to your mind, wherever you are, stop and deal with it. Be reconciled. Because people matter to God and because hateful anger is a poison. Even if you didn't start it. I love how he says in verse 23, it's about a brother or a sister. So if it's in the family of faith or in your immediate family, your real blood family. But then in verse 25, he says, when an adversary is taking you to court. You're not taking them to court. They're taking you to court. Even if somebody else started, if you, even if, if you're not the one who started it, see if you can end it. Be reconciled. Go and deal with it. Be reconciled if they're a brother. Be reconciled if they're an adversary. If you're in conflict with someone, people of hope, if you're in conflict with somebody, and I'm going to be careful right here not to overly define it so that you can't wiggle out of it. I'm going to be careful not to describe it too much so that you can figure out a way that this doesn't apply to you. If you have a situation of grievance, if you have a situation of conflict, if you have a situation of offense, if you're, someone has something against you, if there's a gap, a conflict, deal with it. Move toward them. And if the reconciliation is rejected, then you are clean. But you're not clean until you've attempted to be reconciled. So you're thinking, man, sending that text message is going to be crazy scary. It's fine. Just be faithful, and God will make you fruitful. Just be obedient. Just try to listen to what Jesus is telling you how to live. Just do what he's telling you to do. Man, engaging them is just going to stir up all kinds of stuff. I know that. You matter to God, and they matter to God. Goal here isn't, the goal here isn't that you and this person become best friends. The goal isn't that you and this person begin to take vacations together. The goal isn't that you and this person hang out often or even just thrilled to see each other all the time. The goal is so that either person who has hateful anger in their heart, that it goes away.
be reconciled. Oh my goodness, what a witness to the world. What a beautiful pouring out of grace on a heart that's bitter. What a beautiful way to demonstrate the kindness of God that's been shown to you. I don't know the details. I don't know the complexities. I don't know how long it's been going on. I don't know what they've done to you and what you've done to them. I don't know how many years it's been. All I'm doing is reading the words of Jesus. You got anger. It's just like murder. And even if you're at church and you realize there's a grievance and you've got hateful anger or they've got hateful anger, go deal with it and be reconciled. And even if an enemy, an adversary, is taking you to court, try to be reconciled. Oh my goodness, Lord, I can't do that. Yes, I know that, but I can give you the strength. I can give you the power. I can give you the words. I will be there with you. Jesus is not asking you to play it out in your mind so that you come out ahead. Jesus is simply asking you to be obedient. And even as I've been talking this morning, all of us, because we're human, are coming up with a good list of reasons why doing that isn't a good idea. This is just what our Lord is telling us to do. I would submit that part of the absolute twisted mess that our world is in is because hateful anger has been allowed to breed for centuries. There's no bad time to make things right with somebody. As much as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Just be reconciled. Do what you can to try. Number five. Jesus, in this passage, teaches about godly obedience. He's teaching us about godly obedience. One of the things that was always on the mind of Jesus is the contrast between these empty Pharisees, these religious leaders who were strutting around thinking they were all hot and and something special because they were living by the letter of the law. Hadn't killed anybody. Hate that person. I can't stand that person. I hope they die. But I haven't killed anybody. I'm clean. No, you're not. Jesus is teaching us about godly obedience. Listen to this. Beware of upholding the letter of the law while you defy the spirit of the law. Beware of upholding the letter of the law while you defy the spirit of the law. That's the kind of wrapped up version of what Jesus is teaching here. You've heard it said in days long ago that you shall not kill. And that's true. You shouldn't kill. (laughs) But if you have anger toward a brother or sister in your heart, that is also murder. Even if you're at church or the dry cleaners or at Starbucks or wherever you happen to be and you realize that your brother or sister has something against you, be reconciled. Deal with it. Deal with it. Go farther than just the letter of the law. Deal with the heart 
before your heart deals with you. We are people after God's own heart, eager to please him in every way. We are more than list keepers. Amen? It's one of the reasons I love what God is doing in our community as a church. We're not bringing people in to this community of imperfect people. By the way, if you're imperfect, you're in the right place. None of us are perfect. No perfect people allowed because you would ruin it for the rest of us. The only perfect person who's ever lived is Jesus. But if you're coming into this place this morning and you've got imperfections and I've got imperfections, things that happen in our lives are going to, to cause us to bump up against each other and conflict is going to happen. It's just part of life and sin has corrupted the world and we're going to have to reconcile those things because if you don't rip up the seed of hateful anger, it will grow into a tree and you'll find yourself doing things you never thought you would do to another person you'll find yourself saying things to another person you never thought you would say. But here at People of Hope Church, we're inviting people in, imperfect people, <laughs> and we're not saying, here's a list of the good things you should do, and here's a list of the bad things you shouldn't do. So if you'll just avoid everything on the bad list and do everything on the good list, then you're great. We're not list keepers. We're not religious. I actually don't like the word religious. I think the word religion is a bad word biblically. We are not religious. We're people of Jesus. And just like those believers who gathered around him on the side of the Sea of Galilee, we're leaning in, listening, and we're going, whoa, what did he just say? I can't do that. <laughs> you just set the bar too high. You, well, Jesus, I was trucking along great. And then Matthew 5, thank you very much. And Jesus says, I'm going to take you to places in your heart you never thought you could go. And I'm going to trade the poison for delight. I'm going to help you get rid of the poison that you're not even aware is a poison. Some of you have been existing on the fumes of anger and hatred toward people, and you've been thinking that's living. And Jesus wants to show you what real life looks like. Even if that other person won't be reconciled to you, that's not your business. You just try to be reconciled, and if that's rejected, that's on them. At that point, be free and go in peace. But we're a people of hope. We're a people who aren't perfect, but we're not at all religious. Every day we get up and we do our best to follow Jesus in a way that honors him. And we don't want to be guilty of being like the Pharisees. I didn't kill anybody this week, so I'm okay. Did you wish someone harm this week? Do you have hateful anger toward anyone this week? Did you say something to somebody on purpose as a way to tear them down this week? Deal with that. I think one of the tragic things in life is when people find themselves standing in the consequences of their own choices. And you can sometimes see the regret on them. If you do a search on the internet right now, you can find a collection of famous celebrity mugshots. We don't have any of those to show you today, but 
want you to look at a mugshot of a real person. These are never intended to be funny. Can you see regret in the eyes of this woman? Can you see the way her eyes are looking down? The way you see the evidence of the tears? Can you see the fact that somebody in law enforcement took their picture and their thought is, oh my goodness, how is this real? How did I get here? Look at this next picture. It's a broken person. Weeping and grieving because at this point they're now going through all the consequences that are going to come because they did what they did. Oh my gosh, now this is what's ahead of me and this is what my family's going to think and this is what my friends are going to think and this is what what that family's going to have to deal with and this is what they're going to have to do for picking up the pieces and oh my gosh, they're kids and then oh my gosh, it's going to be a court thing and it's going to be expensive and then I'm going to probably go to jail. They're just going through all this, all this regret, all this regret, all this regret, all this regret. You're looking at the fruit of a fully grown tree that wasn't dealt with when it was a little small seed. Oh, be careful, dear ones, that none of us think we're incapable of getting there. Because our hearts can be quite dark. Hello? There's another picture, one last one. This one just gets me. Because she's looking into the camera Almost to say, how is this my life? Maybe an hour before, her world was different. Maybe a day before, her life and where her life was headed was different. Jesus, who knows all and who knows you is peering deep into your heart this morning and he is saying you may think you're fine if you haven't killed anybody this week but if you've got hateful anger in your heart a broken relationship where hateful anger is winning deal with it because if you don't rip out that seed, you're headed. You're headed for consequences and regret. And sin will lie to you. And sin will tell you it's under control. And sin will tell you it's, it's managed. And sin will tell you that it won't overtake you and try to overthrow you. It will lie, 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 lie. Before we began this teaching this morning, all of us said, Lord, whatever you want to say to my heart, I'm listening. Has God spoken to your heart this morning and has he brought any names to mind, any faces to mind, any any situations to mind? Has he called out the real truth about what's going on in some corners of your heart where you're rooting for someone's suffering, rooting for someone's harm, where you have a habit of tearing them down? I'm asking you to respond to the Lord this morning. 
Because if you don't deal with this, you're going to wake up in a moment and say, how is this my life? You may not be in jail, but you may be in a prison of bitterness. We're going to have a time of response this morning. Let's be the church. Let's be the hillside people in the Sea of Galilee. Let's respond to the words of Jesus this morning. Some of you need to pray and pray for your enemy and pray for yourself. And some of you need to go grab another person in this room and confess and repent and try to be reconciled. Some of you need to walk out and not sing at all, but you need to go find a spot in the lobby and make a phone call right now. Don't wait. Leave your gift at the altar and go. Some of you need to step out and go, I'm grabbing my phone. I'm texting them right now. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. If the the light of God is shown on this in your hearts, don't miss what God is leading you into. So let's respond to the Lord. Let's respond to Jesus. Let's respond to his leadership and his teaching. He's telling us how he wants us to live. Oh God, we can't. Oh God, the bar seems too high. Give us strength. Give us faith. Go before us, Lord. We desire to be pleasing to you in every respect. Lord, rid our hearts of the poison. Have your way in me, O God. Whatever you want to say to my life, Lord, today I'm listening. I am yours.